6 to 8 p.m.s at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Top three cooking tips. One, if you're cutting an onion, remember to cry. Two, in town, it's time for a train ride. The best circus town train rides are the dependable ones that'll depart and arrive on time. The ones that'll take you from clown to trapeze quad elephant, see? Look on the train with the circus promise. It's intense. Hey there, fire chief. What you doing here with that old jalopy? Looking laid back with that jazz cigarette. trenches I fought in World War One yeah you saw us off at the troop train smiling a brave goodbye but where were you when we came home to claim our Blessings of their daddy's pride Well, the wars may change, but not so The glaze in the young boy's eyes When they cry out for their mamas In the hours before they For the way we threw away our lives Cause we all believed in something Though it wasn't very clear But I know it wasn't rats in a hospital room And a broken down to eat with 
But still he doesn't want to die Cause he'd prefer to go on fighting And let his baby brother know That the next time round when the call comes out It's hell no we won't go There'll be no World War III Yes, you are tuned to Mutiny Radio, and yes, this is the Labor and Love Show, and yes, this is Mr. Willie Dixon kicking off our anti-war show today. Workers and War. We've got a report from one of the negotiators 
on the bargaining committee for the teachers' contract here in San Francisco. We've got a long ramble about Malcolm X, May 19th. 1924 was his birthday. Okay, listen up, Willie Dixon. You even made submarines stay so much for weeks. Thank you. 
reasons to fly southwest from California, please direct your attention here and here, but not here. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the most yes out. about the good things to come and I believe it could be something good has begun oh I've been smiling lately dreaming about the world at one and I believe it could be someday it's going to come cause out on the edge of darkness there rides a peace train or oh, peace train take this country Come take me home again Now I've been smiling lately Thinking about the good things to come And I believe it could be Something good has begun Oh, peace train sounding louder Light on the peace train
Don't miss the summer of love and fun. Okay, that was uh, Cat Stevens with the Peace Train. For that, we had uh, Willie Dixon. It don't make sense if you can't make peace. And before that, we had Joan Baez with a veteran song asking for Where's Our Apple Pie? Okay. Here's uh, Beverly Crawford. Get to Beverly Crawford in a minute. This is uh, Labor and Love, the show where we tell you how it is, where we tell you that uh, if you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table, where you work, you're probably on the menu. Remember, every time one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, Someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. And never, but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. Good morning to you. This is the B, the BB, coming to you on Mutiny Radio. It's a Saturday morning, and as we always do from 10 to 12, we invite you into our workplace news, commentary, opinion about the labor movement and about working people everywhere. We bring you uh, Labor School, where we talk about various aspects of the legalities of labor organizing. Labor History, where we talk about important labor upheavals of the past how today got to be today and not tomorrow. So this is your Labor and Love show. You can also find us on Labor and Love Radio on Facebook. And you're certainly welcome to listen in to our archive broadcast. You can find them at mutinyradio.fm. Backslash podcast. Okay, good morning, everybody. And we started out with three anti-war songs, and let's just lay down our uh, basic tenet here: that of all the tricks that are played on the working class by the owners of the society, the real owners, is war. In war, working people go out and try to kill working people. It's the ultimate division of working class strength. Nationhood. So we're here to say that no worker should ever go to war and to agree with Count Leo Tolstoy that young men must refuse to become soldiers. 
here. Let's get on some more music here. I wanted to play this song by Beverly Crawford. This song's sort of a theme here. Let's move it back.
Folks, would you bow your heads for a list of local Vietnam dead? 
Okay, fruit of labor. North Carolina, the fruit of labor. Performance ensemble with no war. And before that, we had the traveling soldier by my one and only favorite uh, country and western group, the uh, Dixie Chicks with uh, Natalie Maines. This is the B. This is Labor and Love Radio. It's nice to be talking to you this morning. What's happening in labor news now, here and now? Okay, let's start with World Labor News. That's Radio Labor. This is the Radio Labor World Report. This is Solidarity News on Radio Labor. This is a Radio Labor World Report recorded on May 26, 2017. I'm Mark Boulanger. In the report this week, multinational shipping corporations try to break unions in the world's ports. The Global Union for Education calls for help for children crossing the Mediterranean seeking asylum. Union activists around the world help 175 oil workers fired in Yemen. And 40,000 telecommunication workers strike in the United States. This is Radio Labor. The international labor movement is fighting attempts by huge multinationals and their supportive politicians to break unions in ports around the world and introduce perilous non-unionized work. About 90% of world trade is based on maritime transport, which is dependent on ports and the workers who unload the ships. The latest struggle is in Spain, where the European Commission and the Spanish government have ordered an end to the use of unionized pools of stevedores from which the workers who unload the ships are chosen. The pools of stevedores are crucial because they guarantee that qualified trained workers are hired for the available jobs, jobs that are highly dangerous. In response to the Spanish government's plan to use private hiring firms, the country's 6,000 unionized stevedores have declared rotating strikes. Leading the fight to maintain the unionized pools of stevedores are the International Transport Workers Federation, the ITF, and the European Transport Workers Federation, the ETF. The ITF represents more than 4.5 million workers and 700 unions operating in 150 countries. Leaders of the ITF and the ETF held a media conference in Barcelona to address Spain's privatization of stevedore hiring. Paddy Crumlin is the president of the ITF and the national secretary of the Maritime Union of Australia. Look, we see it this way. This is a form of union busting and we're not going to have a bar of it. not going to have a bar of it in Spain. We're not going to have a bar of it throughout Europe. And where it happens anywhere in the world, international dock workers are going to do something about it. The big players in this country are all multinationals. APM Terminals, Hutchinson and DP World. Stevedoring is an international industry. It's being automated. It's highly productive. It has very small numbers of employees. It's essential community infrastructure. 
There's not any real co uh, competition in those areas. It is about maintaining a fundamental supply to the communities in every country. Dock workers have a right to training. It is a 24-hour-a-day industry. It is a highly productive industry. It's an industry that requires very specific skills and investment in skills and safety. There needs to be training infrastructure. There is nothing within the scope that says dock workers in Spain, in Belgium, in Germany, in Australia cannot have stable employment within a single company. But what there needs to be is stability of employment for dock workers within side and industry. And what the industry and the government needs to do is invest in that training. And the best way to invest in that training is to invest in a process where there is an identifiable workforce that is trained right up to best practice, that is safe. We've had enough of dock workers not going home at night because they've been mauled on the job or killed. Every year, thousands of unaccompanied children land on the beaches of Italy seeking asylum and a better life. They need decent public services and education. See Marie Ainsborough reports. The Global Union for Education is calling for emergency action to help the thousands of unaccompanied children who cross the Mediterranean to Italy. Education International, which represents 30 million teachers and other education workers around the world, has just published a major study about the children. It says that of the 28,000 minors who landed on Italy's beaches in 2016, almost all, 91%, travelled without an adult. That means parents are putting their children into unsafe boats and sending them off into the Mediterranean in the hopes the children will have a better life. The survey by Education International shows that the children are not being integrated into European society because of inadequate services. It is calling for the movement of the children away from the coasts and into schools even if they have not yet received the necessary legal papers. While acknowledging that Italy does a good job of protecting minors, it must do more, especially to support the children once they get into school. The EI report points out that only 1 million euros a year are set aside to provide language training for the children. This is Seamarie Ainsborough reporting for Radio Labour. Labour unions and activists around the world are trying to help 175 workers in Yemen who were fired by the Norwegian-based company DNO. The company stopped its operations in Yemen in 2015 when war broke out in the country. It then fired the workers by email and text without compensation. They are now left in a war-torn country without wages or benefits. A campaign in support of the workers is being conducted on Labour Start, the Labour Movement's news and campaigning service. More than 9,000 people have participated in the Labour Start email petition on behalf of the workers. One of the global unions supporting the Yemeni workers is Industrial. Industrial represents more than 50 million workers in 140 countries. Diana Junquiera Curiel is the director of Industrial's Energy Industry Unit. The law in Yemen states that if a company is granted a license to operate an oil field, it must pay wages and social obligations for as long as it has the license. Now, with our affiliate in Norway, Industry Energy, and in partnership with Labour Start, we have launched a campaign to support these 200 workers in, in Yemen and their families whom the company has failed to pay for more than 18 months. You can easily help and support these 
all these workers in Yemen and all the families. Thank you. The company which fired the Yemeni workers is headquartered in Norway. And so I talked to Espen Loken, the head of secretariat of Norway's Industry Energy, about the workers and the company DNO. You know, suspended the production and they fired all the workers without any compensation at all. Which, of course, put the workers in a very difficult situation uh, in a country with no alternative job opportunities. Workers have not been paid since then, even if the court of Yemen has decided that the company should. The workers starve, they have no money for medicine, they have no money for the children's school. And you know, Yemen is in a, in a very bad state. There were no dialogue with the union or with the authorities. They just decided to, to withdraw, which is completely not according to the Yemen law and not compliant with how a company should behave. The Labour Start campaign in support of the workers can be found at www.laborstart.org. In the United States, almost 40,000 workers went on a three-day strike against the communications giant AT&T last weekend. They are employed in the mobility section of the company, with about half employed in call centers. The nationwide strike started on Friday, May 19th, after the union, the Communications Workers of America, accused the company of refusing to bargain for fair wages. The CWA says AT&T is sending call center jobs out of the country and subcontracting work to non-unionized, lower-paying companies. Chris Shelton is the president of the CWA. All these folks are here today because we've been bargaining with AT&T for a year now. This is a company who can easily afford to do what we want. They make a billion dollars a month in profit. Um, They are continually sending jobs overseas, which uh, is a particular no-no in the United States. Consumers in the United States are getting screwed by these companies because they want to make more profits. Longtime labor communications activist Steve Zeltzer of Labor Video interviewed some of the workers walking the picket line in San Francisco. Roland Anderson, I'm Vice President CWA Local 9410, and we're on a three-day strike against AT&T on our wireless and wireline sign. We have 40,000 people out in 36 states, and we're trying to bargain for a fair contract from AT&T. AT&T is a multi-billion dollar corporation that reaps in about a billion dollars a month in profits and we feel as though we've helped to make this company successful and they need to share in those profits with us. Thank you for listening and remember it's all about global solidarity. Workers Independent News Labor Report. Workers Independent News Week in Review. I'm Doug Cunningham.
The AFL-CIO says Trump's proposed budget is the most significant betrayal yet of the working people he claims to support. The Labor Federation says it cuts $1.5 trillion from Medicaid, $59 billion from Medicare, and up to $64 billion from Social Security. At the same time, it lavishes massive tax cuts on the wealthy while cutting education by $10.6 billion, according to the AFL-CIO. Fight for 15 workers and the Trump resistance have a message for Trump and all politicians standing between workers and their goal of $15 an hour and union rights. Trump's budget cuts hundreds of billions of dollars from Medicaid and the SNAP food stamp program, shredding the safety net for the poor, while corporations simultaneously hold wages below what workers need to live. Workers like Ashley Bruce, who makes $10.50 an hour at McDonald's in Chicago, hears her message to Trump about the Fight for 15 movement. One thing I would tell any politician or Donald Trump or anyone, you switch places with us for a week or a month to see what it's like not to have anything. We're going to get $15 an hour regardless of what they do. They can throw a million police at us. We're still going to stand up and fight for what's right. The FCC's two-to-one vote to end Obama-era net neutrality rules is the beginning of a new fight over free speech and equal access for all data on the Internet. Ole Peterson, executive director of the Writers Guild East, says overturning net neutrality is a terrible idea. He says it's a free speech as well as an equal treatment of data issue. It's exactly a free speech issue. It's a question not only of direct political censorship, although of course we're concerned about that, but it's a form of economic censorship. Powerful players, if given the ability to do this without net neutrality protections, will decide what content consumers read and view. Westinghouse has locked out 172 workers at its Newington, New Hampshire plant. After meeting with the union just five times plus one mediation session, the plant makes reactile vessel barrels and the parts that go into them for new AP-1000 nuclear power plants. Tyler Brown is executive director of industrial sector for the International Brotherhood of Boilermakers. The company's saying that they're having the supervisors and non-bargaining unit members from the facility perform this work. And when you think about how highly skilled this work is, it's really kind of amazing that they wouldn't want the workers who do this work every day and have done so for a significant period of time to be the ones in there performing this work. It just seems really risky. Our drivers all in solidarity stayed out almost two years. She's been instructed to put these people back to work and there'll be a trial. Teamsters Local 572 Secretary Treasurer Rick Middleton, a federal district court judge, ordered the striking star fisheries workers in San Pedro reinstated to their jobs. Workers Independent News puts workers and their unions on the national radio news airwaves every day. To help keep labor's voice on the air, go to laborradio.org. Workers Independent News provided by Diversified Media Enterprises. I'm Doug Cunningham. Okay, that was Workers Independent News, a review of uh, labor news in the United States. And uh, before that, we had Radio Labor, which is a worldwide report. So always labor action, always things are going on. People are, are standing up all around you. Don't stay seated or they'll count you for sitting down, standing up for sitting down. So, the budget disaster in our schools. We mentioned at the top of the show, or maybe we didn't, that there's an article about Betsy DeVos. Now, Betsy DeVos is Donald Trump's Secretary of Education. Betsy DeVos seems totally committed to the idea of 
charter schools, not only charter schools, but the idea of putting religion back into schools. DeVos says, according to a, a summary posted on the White House website on May 23rd, the Trump-DeVos proposal, this is in the, the budget proposal, would cut $9 billion from the federal government's education budget, a 13% reduction. That's one out of every $7. A blueprint document released a few days earlier outlined a host of specific education programs slated for elimination. Many commentators predicted that such a budget this devastating couldn't pass in Congress in its present form. But even if this is just where the bargaining begins, public education is in great danger. The dynamic duo DeVos and Trump are proposing to eliminate outright the $2.4 billion supporting effective instruction state grants program, which funds teacher training and class size reductions. Half of this money is used to make class size smaller by paying approximately 9,000 teacher salaries, 70% of them in the nation's poorest school districts. Okay, this is a socialist worker. And if you are concerned about education, which I think you should be, Education is the battleground of the culture war. And that's a war that's being made on working people to take away their place in history and in the present, to turn you into just quiet workers. I spoke... Um, Okay, I want to finish the uh, first half of this show with a poem from World War I, Dulce Decorum Est, by Wilfred Owen, one of several uh, famous anti-war poets who came out of, in English who came out of World War I. Dulce Decorum Est by Wilfred Owen. Bent double like old beggars under sacks, knock-kneed, coughing like hags, we cursed through sludge, till on the haunting flares we turned our backs and towards our distant rest began to trudge. Men marched asleep, many had lost their boots but limped on bloodshod. All went lame, all blind, drunk with fatigue, deaf even to the hoots of tired out stripped fifty-nines that dropped behind. Gas, gas, quick boys, an ecstasy of fumbling, fitting the clumsy helmets just in time. 
but someone still was yelling out and stumbling and floundering like a man in fire or lime. Dim through the misty panes and thick green light as under a green sea, I saw him drowning. In all my dreams before my helpless sight, he plunges at me, guttering, choking, drowning. If in some smothering dream you two could pace between the wagon that we flung him in and watch the white eyes writhing on his face, his hanging face, like a devil's sick of sin. If you could hear at every jolt the blood come gargling from the froth-corrupted lungs, obscene as cancer, bitter as the cud of vile incurable sores on innocent tongues. My friend, you would not tell with such zest to children ardent for some desperate glory the old lie. Dulce decorum est pro patria mori. Wilfred Owen. And the last uh, sentence, Dulce decorum est, it is fitting and sweet to die for one's country. One of the first and best graphic anti-war poems in the language. Let's see, how about uh, William Butler Yeats? An Irish airman foresees his death. I know that I shall meet my fate somewhere among the clouds above. Those that I fight I do not hate, those that I guard I do not love. My country is Kiltartan Cross, my countrymen Kiltartan's poor. No likely end could bring them loss or leave them happier than before. Nor law nor duty bade me fight, nor public men or cheering crowds, a lonely impulse of delight drove to this tumult in the crowds. I balanced all, brought all to mind. The years to come seemed waste of breath, a waste of breath the years behind in balance with this life, this death. Irish airman foresees his death. One more. Matthew Arnold, Dover Beach. The sea is calm tonight. The tide is full. The moon lies fair upon the straits. On the French coast, the light gleams and is gone. The cliffs of England stand, glimmering and vast, out in the tranquil bay. Come to the window, sweet as the night air. Only from the long line of spray where the sea meets the moon-blanched land, listen. You hear the grating oar of pebbles which the waves draw back and fling at their return. Up the high strand, begin and cease and then again begin. 
with tremulous cadence slow and bring the eternal note of sadness in. Sophocles long ago heard it on the Aegean and it brought into his mind the turbid ebb and flow of human misery. We find also in the sound of thought hearing it by this distant northern sea. The sea of faith was once too at the full and round earth's shore lay like the folds of her bite girdle furled. But now I only hear its melancholy long withdrawing roar retreating to the breath of the night wind down the vast edges drear and naked shingles of the world. Ah, love, let us be true to one another, for the world which seems to lie before us like a land of dreams, so various, so beautiful, so new, hath really neither joy, nor love, nor light, nor certitude, nor peace, nor help for pain. And we are here as on a darkling plain, swept with confused alarms of struggle and fight, where ignorant armies clash by night. By Matthew Arnold, an anti-war poem. This is the B and it's the Labor and Love Show. We're up, we're up around the 11 o'clock hour now. Better than halfway there. Hope you're having a good week and getting good work. We have to celebrate on May 19th, or hopefully we celebrated the birthday, the birthday of a prophet, uh, Malcolm X, a.k.a. Malcolm Little, a.k.a. Hajj Malik al-Shabazz, And um, the thing to begin with is that every, everyone, every white person should read the story, the autobiography of Malcolm X. Because Malcolm X embodies all, several facets of the black experience in the 20th century. He was born in the Midwest. In a, a rural small town north uh, midwest he moved to the big city in boston worked there made it there as a a hustler went to jail part of almost every young black man's experience served time in jail found a spiritual reawakening through learning and the help of minister Elijah Muhammad of the Black Muslim Movement. Uh, Elijah Muhammad took the time to write to this young man in prison and to lift up his spirit. He began to study at a furious rate, reading everything he could. So, small town America, big city America, jail, the Muslim movement in the United States, and finally his own independent view, which got him killed. 
So he embodies all this. He, as I said, he was born in the Midwest, raised in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, his mother was left alone when his father, who was a follower of uh, Marcus Garvey, was killed under mysterious circumstances. Most everybody thought the Reverend Earl Little had been murdered by white supremacists. I mean, that's how it was at that time. The brave riders of the Ku Klux Klan harassed Malcolm's mother, visited her house in the middle of the night, terrorized her, set the house on fire. Young Malcolm and his family were broken up. His mom went to an insane asylum. What drove her mad? Was an excess of love, was it? Uh, Malcolm attended um, school and he was told, he said that he wanted to be a lawyer. He was successful in school, got good grades, was a uh, named the president of his class. Um, Malcolm's mother became pregnant by a man who came to visit her, and uh, he deserted her. He excelled in high school, but dropped out after a white teacher told him that practicing law, his aspiration at the time, was no realistic goal for a nigger. Later, Malcolm X recalled feeling that the white world offered no place for a career-oriented black man, regardless, regardless of talent. Um, Malcolm X dropped out of school, traveled to Boston, and then to uh, Harlem, engaged in drug dealing, gambling, racketeering, robbery, and pimping. According to recent biographies, he also occasionally had sex with other men, usually for money. His daughter and biographer, um, Ta-Nehisi Coates, questioned the accuracy of these accounts. He was referred to as Detroit Red and became one of the leading hustlers in Boston and New York. He was declared mentally disqualified for military service after he told draft board officials he wanted to be sent down south to organize them nigger soldiers, steal us some guns, and kill us some crackers. In 1945, he returned to Boston, where he and four accomplices committed a series of burglaries. He and his friend, another African-American man, were convicted and sent to serve hard time. His Two of his accomplices, young blonde women, were uh, let free. While in prison, he connected with the Nation of Islam, Met a guy named John Burnbury, self-educated man he would later describe as the first man I had ever seen command total respect. 
with words. Gradually became part of the nation of Islam even while he was in jail. In 1950, the FBI opened a file on Little after he wrote a letter from prison to President Harry Truman expressing opposition to the Korean War and declaring himself a communist. That year, Little also began using the name Malcolm X, which he said replaced all the names that he didn't know of his family and their African roots. He was paroled in August of 1952 and became leader after meeting with Elijah Muhammad, was selected to lead Temple Number 7, where he rapidly expanded its membership. Let's play a little Malcolm X. Um, Malcolm X was a riveting speaker. Um... Let's see, peace. We have Malcolm X on here. Pardon me, let's put on uh, Miles Davis for a minute. Okay, we're ready now. First, uh, Malcolm X belief, black Muslim beliefs on war, and then one called resurrection. Malcolm X, the prophet. So the the news the uh, the Newsweek magazine printed this poll in which they said that most Negroes, when asked, had never heard of Muslims. Well, I mean, this is, this is what they said. Now, show you how naive the white man is. In Kenya, when our brother, Jomo Kenyatta, and our beautiful... We believe in the truth that is in the Bible. But we don't believe in the lies that the white man has put in the Bible. We believe in Allah's prophets and the scriptures they brought to the people. We believe in the resurrection of the dead. Not in the physical resurrection, but in mental resurrection. We believe that the so-called Negroes are most in need of mental resurrection. Therefore, they will be resurrected first. We believe in the resurrection of the dead, but not when you're physically dead. When you stop breathing and your heart stop beating and that man stick you in the ground, that's all she wrote. You are not going anywhere. Your soul isn't going anywhere. Your body isn't going anywhere. Nothing is happening after that. When you're dead, you're done. That's it. You can forget it. Then if that's all of it, what about the resurrection? He says that our people are dead. Negroes are dead. Walking zombies. You're the one that the book is talking about who is dead. Dead to the knowledge of yourself. Dead to the knowledge of your own people. 
Dead to the knowledge of your own God. Dead to the knowledge of the devil. Why, you don't even know who the devil is. You think the devil is someone down inside the ground that's going to burn you after you're dead. Why, the devil is right here on top of this earth. He got blue eyes, blonde hair, white skin, and he's giving you hell every day. And you're still too dead to see it. We believe in the resurrection of the dead. We believe that the 20 million black people in America in the last days will be taught the truth. The trumpet of truth will sound in your ear. And it's being sounded today, the trumpet of truth. And this truth strikes your ear and strikes your heart. It'll open your eyes. It'll open your ears. It'll make you stand up. It'll do the same thing for you that truth did for the dry bones in the valley. Because the picture of dry bones in the valley is talking about you. The picture of Lazarus laying dead four days is talking about you. You are Lazarus. You are the dry bones. You are the prodigal son. You are the lost sheep. You are the people about whom the Bible is speaking who will stand up in the last day when the trumpet is sounded. Black people are waking up. Black people are standing up. Black people are rising up and they're throwing fright into that knee-shaking white man. We believe we are the people of God's choice. That's what we believe. We believe we're the chosen people. We don't believe Jews are the chosen people. We don't believe Jews are the ones going to the promised land. We don't think Jews are a part of God. No, Jews are nothing but another part of that same race of devils that come out of Europe. They didn't even come out of the Holy Land. They come out of the caves of Europe. A Jew, a Frenchman, an Irishman, a Dan, all of them the same thing. A race of devils. They got different kinds. Germans, Irish, all of them the same thing. Just like you got a German Shepherd, an Irish Setter, a French Poodle, a Chihuahua, but they all dogs. We furthermore, we believe we are the people of God's choice, as it is written that God would choose the rejected and despised, and we can find no other person fitting this description in these last days more than the so-called Negroes in America. We believe in the resurrection of the righteous. We believe in the judgment. We believe this first judgment will take place as God revealed right here in America. The judgment will take place in America. The resurrection will take place in America. The, the uh, uh, judgment will take place in America. The separation will take place in America. And the destruction will take place in America. Doom will take place in America. Doomsday will take place right here. This is the place the Bible is talking about. When the Bible mentions Babylon, it means America. When the Bible means, it mentions Sodom and Gomorrah, that's America. When the Bible mentions Egypt, that's America. This is Rome. This is Babylon. This is that wicked kingdom that God is going to come and set flame to in the last day. And you're living in that day right now. And I'm glad. Malcolm X, at his fieriest, uh, absolutely ranting with the passion of his message, but always perfectly, perfectly, I don't want to say logical, but sensible. Malcolm X. So Malcolm X came out of jail, became... Um, member of what was called at the time the Black Muslim Movement, um, became the spokesperson for Elijah Muhammad, 
the Muslims were in favor of um, a separate state, separation of black and white races, um, and so um, also they were against, in other words, Martin Luther King's movement for integration and want to integrate. They believed in black self-help and black businesses. And uh, Malcolm X became the spokesperson and became a very effective organizer for the black Muslim movement. Went around the country organizing mosques uh, in many different cities and leading protest movements against police brutality, for example. Famous case in Los Angeles where a black Muslim man was beaten to death by police. Uh, in New York, where a, a brother was beaten up and uh, Malcolm X organized what was called the Fruit of Islam, sort of like the young men of, of the black Muslim movement. And they marched and demonstrated outside the city jail in New York. And once... Uh, a compromise was reached. Malcolm X went outside and said two words and all the young men turned and marched away. And one of the police at the time said, no one should have that much power. But like I say, it was moral power. Uh, gradually, Malcolm X, with, Malcolm X wanted to be involved in politics. He saw how his people were being beaten at every turn by politics, by crooked politicians, judges, police. And he, he wanted to confront that power. Famously, when John F. Kennedy was killed in 1963, Malcolm X said, instead of, you know, some hollow expression of support, he said, well, it looks like the chickens are coming home to roost, and I'm a country boy, and I always liked it when the chickens came home to roost. Meaning that the U.S. had spread violence all over the world for years and years and years, fomented violence, committed violent acts and terroristic acts, and now finally it was coming back to haunt them. It became prophetic. Gradually, he split away from Elijah Muhammad. Elijah Muhammad tried to keep him silent about political affairs. When Malcolm said his sentence about John F. Kennedy's death, Elijah Muhammad censured him. Elijah Muhammad had sent a sympathetic note to the Kennedy family. Malcolm would have none of that. Uh, he heard... Um, disturbing his preaching at the time was that black people are the original people of the world white people are devils blacks are superior to whites the demise of the white race is imminent these were he befriended the young Cassius Clay and helped introduce him to the uh, Muslim movement um uh, 
Clay changed his name to Muhammad Ali. But when Malcolm X left the Nation of Islam, Muhammad Ali kind of turned his back on him. So Malcolm organized two different organizations. The organization of Afro-American Unity and Muslim Mosques, a nonprofit corporation. Um, Malcolm became <clears throat> kind of the spokesman for African Americans who were tired of kowtowing to whites. He wanted African Americans to stand up and be proud. Uh, black Muslim, several in the black Muslim movement threatened him with death and finally on February 19th, 1964, Malcolm was gunned down. I invite you to read Malcolm X's book, The Autobiography of Malcolm X. And, uh, well, I guess it was kind of inevitable that he would be killed by someone in the power structure. Evidently, the New York police cooperated with members of the Black Muslim movement to have him removed. Uh, the whole investigation, as happens so often, was totally bungled and no one to this day is sure who pulled the trigger on Malcolm X. He left behind four kids and a wife, Betty Shabazz. So, Malcolm X, February 19th. In every house I've ever lived in, I would be sure to have a picture of Malcolm X on the wall. He was the prophet sent to unite not just African-American people, but to reach out to different communities. <sighs> okay, Malcolm X. anti-war today. Before it is washed to the sea 
How many years can some people exist before they're allowed to be free? How many times can a man turn his back and pretend that he just doesn't see? The answer, my friend, is blown in the wind. The answer is blown in the wind. How many times must a man look up before he can see the sky? How many ears must one man have until he can hear people cry? How many deaths will it take till he knows that too many people have died? The answer, my friend, is blown in the wind. The answer is blown in the wind. The answer, my friend, is blown in the wind. The answer is blown in the time to plant, a time to reap, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to laugh, 
season turn, turn, turn And a time for every purpose under heaven A time to build up, a time to break down A time to dance, a time to mourn A time to cast away stones A time to gather stones together To everything turn, turn, turn There is a season turn, turn, turn And a time for every purpose under heaven a time to gain, a time to lose, a time to rend, a time to sow, a time of love, a time of hate, a time of peace. I swear it's not too late to everything turn, turn, turn. There is a sea. Sometimes I lay under the moon I thank God I'm breathing And I pray, don't take me soon Cause I am here for a reason Sometimes in my tears I drown But I never let it get me down So when negativity surrounds I know
lost a couple more friends who were on patrol and got ambushed. One of the guys was about five meters away from me. The bullet came about three inches from getting me. I was so scared they had us pinned down for four and a half hours. I even ran out of ammunition. We killed seven of them, they got two. I can't stand it. We were pulling security for the Bob, for the Bob Hope show, so the people with a good office job to see him. Don't you dare say any of this to mom, okay? She only knew how many times I'd gotten shot at she flipped. You know, in a way, I can hardly wait to tell you my war stories. I can't wait to go home. Vietnam veterano about Chicanos who went to war uh, and his own experience in war. This today we've been dedicated to anti-war, but as always, the show is dedicated to those 3,500 or more 
workers who will die today from work-related causes or conditions. Over 3,500. Some people say it's as high as 5,000 a day. Um, as far as how many billionaires have died from overwork or um, conditions on their jobs, uh, we haven't been able to find that out yet, but we are looking. Okay, we are really trying to find that out. This is the B, and you're listening to Labor and Love. Just want to report on the latest negotiations with San Francisco teachers in their, their district, the management. Just spoke with Cynthia Lasden, who's one of the negotiators for the teachers union, Local 61. And this is what's happened so far. After openers, the district offered a 10% raise, 3% for the first year, 4% the second, and 3% for the third, which is not much. Not much, seeing as how, how much it costs to live in San Francisco and how hard teachers have to work both to prepare, get their credentials, and then uh, their work, their lesson plans. And a whole lot of teachers' work is invisible. It's the kind of work that you call worrying. <laughs> thinking about your kids, thinking about the people in your class and how they're getting along and how you can, what you can do to help them succeed. Some teachers are living two per room paying $1,500 each. If you're not familiar with the rental situation in San Francisco, a while ago the median price of a one-bedroom apartment was $3,500. So what's happening basically is teachers are being forced out of the city. It's always ideal for a teacher to live in the community or as close to the community as they can, the community where they work. Teachers have asked for 18% over three years. The district has offered back 11%, but to take away 18 days where teachers themselves get to decide what to do and, and how to best serve themselves in terms of professional development. 18 days, 18 hours, pardon me. And to work two extra days. Um, district has offered $50 a month to help subsidize health care costs. The union says it needs to be at least $250. And we'll keep track of these negotiations as we go forward. Um, so this is the B, and you're tuned to Labor and Love Radio. And how about a little Kaori Miraji with our theme song and the theme song of 
workers all over the world. All I got to do is find it here. The Internacional. Everybody head on over to Carnival this weekend. This is the beast signing off. Goodbye to everyone who's listening. Goodbye and good work. My name is Breakfast, and I'm running for Chancellor of the United States of America. For too long, we have gone without a Chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and logic to create new possibilities for our great, big, fat nation. As your Chancellor, I will balance the budget on the head of a pin, give entertaining speeches, have scandalous affairs, Write strongly worded letters to unpopular foreign leaders. Look good on camera. End all hunger, crime, abuse, war, disease, disasters, sadness, depression, oppression, repression, suppression, transgression, obsession, expression, impression, regression, and digression by signing pieces of paper that express my disapproval of such things. And... Invest in an American flag pin to be worn prominently on my stylish jackets. It's time to work together to take the country back from us and return it to ourselves. It's time to turn this country around and drive it into opposing traffic. It's time to take a chance on the Chancellor. Tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shitface McRat. <laughs>
This is Tussle Metals with Mutiny Radio. Big up to the number one station that rule the nation. Give it to me every time. Yeah. Ah! Affairs today. I don't know. I just was, could smell the food when I walked out of my house. I, I got hit by a car on my bike. This person just ran a red light. How are you going to work? You wait tables. I don't know. I'm terrified. I count on my tips, and these hospital bills are confusing. The insurance adjusters just treat me like I'm a piece of paperwork. Man, you should go to johnstrausslaw.com. John Strauss is a great personal injury attorney. When I got hurt, he handled everything for me. He was on my side. And best of all, I didn't have to pay out of pocket. He got paid when I did. That's great, because I cannot afford to pay out of pocket. Yeah, don't let them confuse you and trick you. They treat you like you're a business. And it's not business, it's personal. Injury. JohnStraussLaw.com The Night Space brings you High Time Storytime every Wednesday night from 10 to midnight on Mutiny Radio. Listen to San Francisco's finest underground comedians read crazy stories written by me, Arden, on The Night Space. The Night Space, featuring High Time Storytime every Wednesday night from 10 to midnight on Mutiny Radio. High Time Storytime, Volume 1, now available on Amazon.com for Kindle and electronic download. Sunday, June 11th at Cobb's Comedy Club, 7.30 p.m. Tickets are $16 for the All-State Heavyweight Comedy Showdown! Hosted by Terry Dorsey, featuring some of the best comedians all over California. From San Francisco, Pam Benjamin. From Saratoga, Joey Avery. And all the way out of San Diego, Mike DeVore. Other comedians as well for only $16 at Cobb's Comedy Club, 915 Columbus Avenue. Go get your tickets for June 11th now. Tell me what you think about your situation. Complication, aggravation. Is it getting to you? Then tune in live every Sunday from 12 to 2 p.m. to the edge of insanity with myself, Paul Brumbaugh. Kit Marie. Brandon Ray. And Mistress Christine. All on Mutiny Radio. That's right, PCRcollective.org. We'll see you there. Howdy, folks. You're tuned in to MutinyRadio.fm. And the show you're listening to is the Flat Black Plastic Show.
Thank <laughs> you.